On our podcast today, we talk to Janine Garner, a Yorkshire farm girl who's now on a mission to influence 10 million lives across 10 years. We chat about her morning routine and how that sets her up for success every single day. We dive into her most recent book, Be Brilliant, and Janine has managed to codify the four laws that unlock brilliance in individuals and teams. If you've got a sense that your world is only experiencing a small percentage of your brilliance and you want to know how to tell that negative voice in your head to get lost, and get into flow, this episode is for you. Janine, welcome along to the podcast. Fantastic to have you as our guest today. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Ryan. It's great to be here. We are going to dive into all sorts of uh, interesting things. You have helped so many different organizations with uh, right from, I think, helping individuals to helping teams thrive to helping their performance across an organization level. So we're going to dive in for our audience uh, into some of the uh, learnings that you've had working with those organizations. Uh, but before, let's uh, get to know you a little bit better. So some fast fact questions. Are you a breakfast or dinner girl? Breakfast. Yeah, what was on the menu this morning? This morning I had a croissant. <laughs> nice, nice. I Na- like it. Naughty, but nice. I shouldn't because I just finished at the gym. But anyway. <laughs> isn't, isn't that why we go to the gym though? So that we can you know, make sure that other things in, in life are, uh, are good? Totally, totally. It's all about creating the space so we can enjoy the good stuff. Cool. Alrighty, on holiday, are we likely to find you bungee jumping or on the pool lounger? Oh, no, I'm, I, I do a bit of both. I like to go to resorts and chill out for a week and be pampered, and then I get bored and have to go and do something, have a bit of an adventure. Mm. So uh, not too many overseas holiday options at the moment. Uh, have we got something planned in Australia? Uh, we, have we, got, we haven't actually got anything planned at the moment. We are starting to think about what to do so we we will be heading up the coast in january um but nothing planned yet this side of christmas but we're certainly looking at it nice and we were talking prior to starting the podcast just about the opportunities that have been presented and you've been uh mad dash and we were reflecting on the importance of uh you know maintaining that balance around inner health and well-being so we're always asking our our members you know when's their holiday what are they doing for their health uh, all those kind of things, so important. Oh, it's, it's so important. I tend to run my business around the school holiday cadence. So I work, uh, I'm in my business for the 10 weeks. And then when the kids go on school holidays, we bring the pressure down and we slow down the hours and then we go back up again. So yeah. that's how I run my year, like yeah. school holidays. Oh, I think it's pretty good, uh, pretty good cadence. You get a lot done in 10 weeks. Yeah, and lots of holidays when we can travel. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And Janine, you're an uh, author yourself. Is it three, three books you've authored so far? Yeah, three books. Okay, and we're going to dive in particularly to uh, Be Brilliant. I love that title. We're going to talk about that one. Uh, but tell me when you're reading books yourself, what do you like? Do you like the real thing or do you like uh, electronic? No, real thing. I'm a massive real thing. If you could see my bookshelf, the pile of books next to my bed and the pile of books to read, I'm a massive real thing person. Right. And tell me, cats or dogs? Oh, that's a hard one. We've got all. We've got both. And many uh, of them. I think I'm a cats person. I've got two ragdolls, one called Billy and one called Tink. But we've also got a French bulldog called Harvey. We've also got a lizard called Alice. Um, yeah. And what's your routine, uh, Janine? Are you an early riser or are you a night owl? Oh, early riser. I get up at 20 past five every morning and head straight to the gym and do 45 minutes at the gym every morning, come back, meditate, and then it's about work. Nice. 
And how do you find that sets you up doing that uh, exercise and, and uh, meditation piece? If I don't do it, it's probably the better question. I have a shit day. It really sets me up for uh, clarity. Um, it's like kickstarting my day. And for me, you know, I have got two teenagers and a 12 year old. Um, it's my time. It's the time for myself to just get ready. And also the importance of looking after this incredible mind and body that you have, um, that actually if you don't look after it, it doesn't matter how many dreams you have, how many goals you have, how many projects or to-dos, if you don't look after your mind and your body, eventually it will give up on you. And you cannot FedEx this stuff back. You cannot go, my brain is fab, I've got this great idea, but my body is failing me. Can I get a new one? It actually doesn't work like that. So we've reached really to function at our best, we've got to invest in ourselves first. You are preaching to the converted, Janine. I uh, absolutely love it. Love your, you, know, you reinforcing the message. We always talk to our members about health, family, and work in that order. You yeah. know, look after your physical and mental wealth. You, then you're in a good position to be a, a great uh, family member and community member, and then you also can deliver your best at work. But if you uh, reverse that order, uh, you don't perform particularly highly anywhere in our view. So you do great. a lot of stuff but not necessarily a lot of stuff well over a long period of time. Yeah, so we're going to have lots of uh, back padding and agreeing on that one, not a lot of robust discussion or debate because I think we're very aligned. <laughs> All righty, let's, um, let's dive into being brilliant. It's the title of your most recent book, How to Lead a Life of Influence. Mm. I'm, I'm interested initially with this word influence. I think it's a word that has, uh, for some people, a very positive kind of feel to it and for others a very negative. Uh, my sense on the negative side is some people feel like, oh, if you're trying to influence, then you're clearly trying to make other people do things they don't want to do. And others see the positive aspect of influence of trying to you know, get the very best outcome for you and all the people around you. Um, give me your insights. Why the word influence? What, is it, what does it mean to you? It's absolutely the uh, latter that you spoke about. Um, and it's always interesting, isn't it, when you start getting curious about people's uh, understanding and reflection around the word. Um, it's like, be brilliant. Um, you know, what does brilliant mean to people? And to some people, it's this permission to become something more. And to other people, it's like, oh, is, isn't that being a bit up yourself? Isn't it about ego? Um, and the, the, the answer that I always have is one of, oh, I'm curious as to why you think that. that thought and the second one is why the hell not and so for me influence is fundamentally about making sure that you are making a, the contribution around you that you want to make it's about not hiding it's about not being afraid to speak up it's about if you've got an idea sharing it it's about if you see wrong and you want to correct it, you correct it. It's about if you have a passion and a belief and a desire to do something or to change something, then do it. Um, because we certainly weren't put on this planet to live in shadows. We weren't put on this planet, I don't believe, to, to not serve any purpose. And I, for me, influence is about fundamentally um, leaving the impact that you want to leave, leaving the contribution that you want to leave, having um, a positive effect every single day, in every single way, with every single interaction that you have. That, that to me, is influence. Um, and some people are 
absolutely the living, breathing epitome of that. And as we know, there's with everything, there's an extreme. There's the, yeah. the really good. I mean, we only have to look at the world right now on politicians. There's the really good and there's the not so good. And I go, you know what, you can either sit there and, and anchor yourself on either side of that, or you can go, which fundamentally is what the book's about. What about you? What about you? Who are you? Who are you being and who do you want to become? Own that. So Janine, interested in your journey yourself, you know, you're uh, now a keynote speaker, you've trained and coached and mentored uh, many executives and, and companies. So uh, naturally we would attribute those kind of uh, things to someone who, who knows themselves as following what they want to do. Has that always been your, your zone? You know, what's been your journey to finding your brilliance and, and your way to influence? Oh my gosh, gosh, no, gosh, no. I think, um, I have this massive, my, my big driver is I am a lifelong learner. I'm a student of life. I have a massive growth mindset and I have this absolute commitment to myself to become better every single day, um, which sounds easy, but it actually means that there's this willingness to learn, this willingness to be challenged, this willingness to have your own judgment, your own unconscious bias reflected back at you. And it's actually quite, quite challenging. Have I always been like that? Absolutely no. But when I track back over my life, I go, wow, I was always quietly challenging the norm. I was, there were so many times throughout my life where I felt like a square peg in a round hole, like I didn't fit in. Um, and, you know, I've got a 20-year corporate career behind me. I, I grew up in the north of England in a farming community. So my dad was a farmer and I literally grew up learning how to drive a tractor and collect eggs because we had to go to the market stall at the weekend to sell the poultry and the, and the eggs. And... Um, Literally, life was this little Yorkshire village. It was, you know, the, the generation, my dad's generate, uh, parents' family were miners, so a bit further north. And I grew up during the Thatcher years of the miners' strike. I remember mm -hmm. as a kid, you know, the power going out, and mum would come out with a fork and the bread on it, and we'd light the fire, and we'd have to toast the bread, and that would be dinner. So there was that, that was the, the, what I grew up with. But again, I remember as a kid at school just just getting curious, I had this curiosity that there had to be something more. And I was teased quite a bit at school for being a little bit of a nerd. I remember at about 18, actually it would have been about 17 when the, the teachers at school were starting to talk about career advice. And one of the teachers said to my mom, she said, you know, Janine should apply to Oxford or Cambridge. And I went, oh, I can't do that. that that's not for me. No, I wouldn't fit in there. Um, but what I did do, I did apply for university, but my parents couldn't afford to take, send me. So I had to actually apply to the government at the time to pay for me. So I, I actually got into uni and got fully funded by the government to essentially leave home. I left home at 18 with a backpack and suddenly it was like these wings were starting to fly. But I remember uni equally looking around at all of these different kids from very different backgrounds and again just going shit I don't fit in here um you know I've got to work really hard I've got to prove myself and so even at uni I was striving and proving and questioning and then you know my career from from uni I moved south again so I packed the backpack went to London and that's where I started my corporate career 
And for the next eight years, as I literally climbed that, that, that corporate ladder, as a, starting as a graduate trainee and working hard to climb the ladder, again, striving, proving, and the exhaustion of trying to keep up, of trying to play a bigger game, of, of trying to get noticed, and, and just constantly wanting more, um, was just exhausting, to be honest. I moved to Australia at, at 29. I'd fallen in love with who is now my husband in London. And I arrived in Australia with a backpack, a resume, my boyfriend, and um, a visa. And that was it. And I had to start all over again at the age of 29. And like many of your listeners, because I'm sure I'm not the only one that's done that, that's listening to this podcast. And, and those of you that are listening, you'll remember that having to prove yourself again um, having to rebuild your network where someone didn't know you, having to rebuild your career where you had no social proof, having to, having to prove that you've made the right decision to move to the other side of the world. Again, I reckon for the next eight, nine years, striving, proving, striving, proving. And um, Janine, I, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to hear where this uh, story keeps going to, but I'm, I'm interested you use the word prove a lot. Ah. Um, who were you proving something to? myself mm. well I thought it was to other people so this is this is where when you said have you always it's like no because it's only through retrospectively going back now and having done I've done a lot of work um, with coaches and personal development people myself and this realization that um, trying to prove that you're good enough for other people is actually one of the most exhausting things you can do and it was only when this switch flicked to realizing I was trying to prove it to myself and actually I had nothing to prove. I, ha I had nothing to prove. I, you know, yes, it's all there in black and white, the promotions, the pay rises, the acquisition of staff, the acquisition of skills. I said, like, come on, Janine, you've got, you've got all you need. You need to step above that and start being in flow. Okay. And, and once I made that move, once I stopped, striving, proving, striving, proving, to actually go, breathe, you're here. Just, just be, just do what you want to do. Just stop faking it till you make it. Just operate from a place of absolute truth and authenticity with integrity. If your intention is good, then you know what? Stuff will happen. And interestingly enough, that's when my career just literally started climbing. Um, even in the last three years, uh, Ryan, as, as my speaking career has increased, the more I share of myself, the more I um, just, you know, sit in this body mind that is Janine with her life experiences and just share what I've learned, the, the more impact, influence I'm able to have in terms of enabling other people to do the same. And that's really where this, this book came from. Um, you know, as you said, I wrote two books. The first one is about how we work together, collaboration from me to we. The second one was about networking. It's who you know, you know, who's surrounding you and who's supporting you because we've, you know, it's a whole other conversation. But I realized that there were so many people saying to me, Janine, I'm still not getting it. I'm still not getting it. I'm still not getting it. And through researching and chatting to, to so many successful people around the world, game changers, athletes, business people, entrepreneurs, it was how they got into this place of flow. It was this, this realization that 
the only thing you have control over is yourself. The only thing you can ever control, the only thing that you can ever improve is yourself. And only when we can connect with ourselves, only when we can rise above our imperfections and stop beating ourselves up about what we don't have, you know, until we can um, actually accept our limitations and stop making excuses for the mistakes that we make, until we can do both of those things and own our spotlight, own what we're bringing to conversations, to work, to our leadership, to our decision-making, only when we do that will we be able to allow the people around us to do the same. Only when we can connect with ourselves will we ever be able to connect with other people in the right way. Only when we connect with ourselves will we ever be able to collaborate in the right way because if we are faking it till we make it, if we're hiding a part of our personality, if we're pretending to be something that we are not, we will never build great connections, deep connections, real connections, and we will never unlock the true ideas, innovations, collaborative opportunities that are available, that are at our fingertips because you're always hiding a part of yourself. And so that's where this book came from, of going, unlock this stuff. And I've codified it um, in terms of four laws for people to start practicing. Awesome. And we're going to dig into that because I'm super excited to learn. Uh, but tell me, was there, a, was there an epiphany moment for you where you, where you suddenly gained this awareness where you went, um, I've got to stop trying to prove to everyone else. I've got to start being, being me or, or looking, being more focused around that flow state, as you put it. What, was there a, a moment in time? I don't know if there was a specific, a specific moment. It was more this culmination of events that the more aware I became of the culmination of events, stuff started gelling for me. But there was one particular moment that I do remember where I'd been booked to speak to an audience in Sydney. It was about three and a half thousand people in the room. And uh, if you've ever, you know, delivered a keynote, I'd supplied all my slides in advance. And the keynote was on a Saturday about midday. And I woke up at about eight o'clock on the Saturday morning and I turned to my husband, Jason, and I just went, I've got to change. I've got to change my keynote. And he went, what? I said, I've got to change it. There's just something. I literally woke up and it was this moment of going, Janine, stop telling everyone else's story and tell your own story. And so the slides were the same. Like the, the background of the slides was exactly the same. And in my head, I worked out, and then I just literally, I remember standing in the wings of this huge stage with these thousands of people in it and getting the intro and they all got up and clapped and I walk into the spotlight and I just started speaking and I just started sharing for the first time my story. And... Um, at the end of it, the standing ovation, the, I was literally followed out of this conference hall. I couldn't, I couldn't get out. And the messages after, I, do you know what, Ryan? I don't even remember what I said. No. But it was, that was this moment of flow, this moment of almost being the messenger and, and sending it. But what I realised was it's actually not about me. What it actually did is give other people the permission to step into their story. 
to, to be brave enough to share their story, to, to be courageous enough to follow their dreams. And that, for me, was this, this realisation of essentially get out of your own way, Janine. It's just get out of your own way and just do what you know to be true. And the people that need to hear that message, the people that are looking for the same, those are the ones that you have the chance to influence and change. And my passion right now is I am on a mission to unleash brilliance in 10 million people over the next 10 years. It's my, it's my driver. It's everything I do. Because I know that when individuals step into their brilliance, the impact that they have around them, to the left, the right, up and down, is phenomenal. Yep. And the that ripple effect. Influences. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, give me a, your best guess, percentage of the population, what percent of us are living in some kind of imposter syndrome, still trying to prove ourselves, still trying to answer the small voice in our head versus the, you know, embracing their own brilliance and just getting in flow and putting out there. What, what percentage is, is living in the, the challenge state? That's such a great question. Okay, if we look at uh, the coaching industry, across the world and how much money that is making right now. There's a hell of a lot, and it's the fastest growing industry in the world. There's a hell of a lot of people out there that are wanting support. If I look at the work that I do in organizations where I work with their top talent, you know, these are the next leaders, the next captains of industry. Um, if I think about them, I reckon 95% of the people that come into my room don't think they're good enough, struggle with imposter syndrome, um, have the self-doubt. And, and that's actually part of the reason I had to write this book, Ryan, because I was seeing increasing amounts of fatigue, of stress, of burnout, of questioning what's next, of questioning themselves. And throw in, am I actually going to be relevant in the next few years? And that's, and I went, and I go, absolutely you are. And, and I know, you know, at the end of these programs where the CEO will say to me, you know, how, how on earth did you unlock those ideas? How did you get them to that place of feeling insecure, to now having a multi-million dollar idea for the business, to presenting it without any notes and having written a white paper? How did you do it, Janine? And my answer to them is, it's always, always been there. It's always there. It's in your, your ideas, the innovation, what you need to secure your business into the future is within your four walls. We just have to unlock it. We just have to create that belief again. And so that's, you know, that's, that's I reckon to answer your question, a lot of us, the majority of us, and it doesn't go away. Like, even for me, I think part of when you grow, this is why it's such a cyclical thing. It's brilliant. Being brilliant is a practice. It's a discipline. Because when you get good at something, think about, I don't know, um, let's imagine, I don't know, what sport do you do, Ryan? What do you do for exercise? Hockey is one of the things, one oh. of the things I play. Yep. All right. So let's imagine five years ago when you were playing hockey, what was one of the things that you had to work on, let's say five years ago? Uh, being able to do an aerial pass. All right. And so you practiced and practiced and practiced. Did you get good at it? Yes. Cool. Now, is there another thing now that you're working on? Uh, absolutely. Um, a reverse, so shot on the reverse side of the stick, shot at goal. Yeah, cool, right? And so, so it's much like ourselves. 
Like there's no end to this in that you get really good at something and then suddenly you decide you set yourselves a new project or a new goal and the self-doubt kicks in again. The comparisonitis kicks in again. The, oh my God, is this going to be good enough? Kicks in again. You get a new job. You start, you get a promotion. And so we are constantly going in and out of this place. Now that the good, the great people um, know that that happens and what they've worked out is how to stop it from debilitating them and stopping them and turn it into a, all right, it's a fuel. I'm going to work through this. And it's the same with all of us. You can't, the self-doubt exists, the imposter syndrome exists, the comparisonitis exists. The difference is, are you going to let that freeze you and stop you and keep you still? Or are you going to go, all right, let's do this and push through it? Because once we push through it, there is always a brand new frontier of brilliance that you're striving for. Mm -hmm. And this is, this, is, this is the thing when I look back over my life, I have continuously been a learner, a developer, a growth mindset, um, this, this need to go, I'm here now, how do I stretch? How do I stretch? How do I stretch? How do I stretch? And it's the same with becoming the most brilliant version of yourself that you can be. Okay. Janine, myself and the listeners are all sitting here nodding, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we just need the secret source, which is like, how do we, how do, we do this? So look, I'm, I'm interested in kind of a couple of frames of, of reference here. Um, one would be take us through, uh, you talked about the laws of brilliance. So what would be those and how would we think about those as an individual who's going, hey, uh, sounds great. I'd love to get into that flow state. I'd love to get out of my imposter syndrome. How do I do that as, a, as an individual? And then could you also give us a leader context? So I'm someone leading a team and I want to unlock a, a team in the same way. How, how would we go about doing that? Absolutely. Um, before I get into those four laws, I think it's worth understanding what gets in the way. The enemy is always within. The enemy to your brilliance is always within. It's either those internal voices that are fueling that self-doubt um, or fueling the blame onto other people for your lack of progress or it's the lack of boundaries that you're putting around yourself, which we touched on right at the beginning here, which fuel the fatigue. And the doubt and the fatigue, the blame and the fatigue, fuel the stress, which stops the momentum. So these four laws are all about essentially getting back in control of yourself to unlock your growth potential, to accelerate the impact that you wanna make in your work, and ultimately to get whatever reward it is that you're working on, promotion, sales, profit, family, whatever it is. Um, so the laws um, are really I developed on the back of all those conversations that I had. I codified the learnings because the same thing was coming out. It didn't matter whether you were in the US, UK, Europe, Asia, whether you were in business, an athlete, the same stuff was coming out. Sure. And the laws are all about getting your, your self-leadership first and then before you lead others. Because there's too many, when you said, how does a leader lead a team? Um, it's actually got to start with you first. Because if you're, you're not confident in yourself, your team will pick up on it. And if you don't know yourself, you'll read the situation wrong. You'll put your own judgments onto what is actually going on. So the first law is about owning your spotlight. Um, and this essentially is about gaining clarity on who you are, who you are being and who you want to become. It's, it's really taking ownership of the character of you, um, ensuring that you build your belief and kick that self-doubt 
into touch, but then also owning your expertise and with absolute focus, having a plan to share that expertise, to become more visible in terms of your business, your industry, your profession. So the law number one is about owning your spotlight uh, so that you can step forward and lead in, lean into your brilliance with more confidence. Janine, sorry, I'm, I'm going I'm to make this really challenging for you. You can't just give us the four laws. So the um, first one, how do we make sure that when we're defining our own spotlight, that we're not defining the spotlight that we think everyone else wants our spotlight to be versus the spotlight that's truly the one we should be seeking? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think part of owning the spotlight of what we think other people want us to be is part of the problem. That's what's fueling the self-doubt and we've all got these we've all got these voices in our heads that are telling us who we should be who we shouldn't be how we should behave how we should lead what it means to be a speaker a leader a working parent a small business owner and it's all bullshit quite frankly you know we, the voices in our heads are yes they're there to keep us safe but at the same time you've got to decide are there any of those voices that you re need to renegotiate the contract with so we've got hundreds of voices. We've got um, we've got professional voices. Um, you know those those voices of lecturers or previous bosses or industry leaders that somehow we we think we have to match. We've got voices of family and society telling us how we need to behave. And the most challenging voice um, that that some people have are the ancestral voices, the voices that go way 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 back that tell us. Um, you know, because you're from this culture, this heritage, this is how you sit, how you must behave, what you must say, et cetera, et cetera. Now, all of those voices were, were great in the past, but what you've got to decide is which ones are serving you and which ones aren't. And so owning your spotlight is actually one of the hardest things that we've got to be because for so long we've had our uniqueness, our quirks, our foibles, our weirdness, our jiggly bits, I call them, beaten out of us. They get, they get beaten out of us in the playground. They get beaten out of us by 360-degree reviews. They get beaten out of us in organisations where we're told to conform. And, and so we end up becoming robots of each other. I'll give you an example. I, was, I had a call from a client. Uh, probably about a month ago, he is a very senior leader in uh, one of the big tech firms and he pretty much leads the sales team and he was new in that organization. I trained him in a previous organization and he said, oh, Janine, I need to run something past you. I went, yeah, yeah, go for it. He said, I've, I've just had this really strange performance review where you know, I've been marked really highly on the fact that um, I'm challenging ideas and I'm, I'm being quite innovative. In fact, that's why they brought me in. And then I've been marked low in terms of the fact that I don't conform and I'm being challenged. I'm being told that I've got to conform. And I went, that's the problem. That's part of the problem. So we recruit people. We spend a for this is this is, I'll get on a rant now, right? We spend a fortune paying recruiters to find the best and the brightest to come into our organizations. And then we put them in a box 
and we smooth off the quirky bits and we ask them to fit in. And then the conversations I have with leadership teams is, I need my team to have ideas. <laughs> and this, this is what I mean with owning our spotlight. It takes bravery. It takes courage. It takes uh, an absolute intentionality to own yourself, warts and all, and to be brave enough to speak up. Now, in this environment that we're in, around the world, we have never, ever, ever, ever lived in this world of three massive macro challenges going on, economically, health, let alone the social impact that's about to come. There is no MBA, there is no textbook being written, there is no case study, there's no research being done. Nothing. There is no, no statistic out there that goes, if you do A, and then you do B, C will happen. We don't know, we have no idea. So in this current climate, the only way we're going to navigate through it and reimagine the future is we need to unlock curiosity and ability to think outside the box. We need to connect dots differently and be curious about how to reconnect skills and capability and capacity and ideas. We need to trust our intuition and we need to create inspiration around us. This is not about capability. This is about you. And if you are doubting yourself, if you are not in your spotlight of your own confidence and what you believe and what you're bringing to the table, we're never going to get through this. Mm. It's hard, but we've got to do it. Yeah. I'd add into that mix, and this is particularly for, for leaders, let go of the idea that because you're in a leadership position, you're supposed to know everything. I think that's the such a imposter syndrome position going, oh, I've been promoted into this leader role. You know, I, I'm now supposed to know everything. And I think that's why so often in organizations, we then round off the edges, bring people's ideas down. Cause they're like, oh, well, I don't know anything about that. So I'll just kind of push that one to the side. Yeah. If, if we bring more of this approach of um, servant leadership, how do I, how do I help you grow? Uh, you're clearly more experienced and more knowledge in that area. So great. I'm going to try and ask you some really robust questions so I can understand it and make sure it's a fit for our organization. But if we can, if we can do that, that'll help you grow. That'll help our team grow. That'll help our business, business grow. But well, if that I is default, challenging. That yeah, is challenging because and I had exactly the same conversation with one of the big banks about two weeks ago. So they're spending a fortune uh, bringing in programs to essentially build capability in the team uh, because they want to change culture. And I go, oh, that's all well and good, but actually it starts up here. Because the challenge that we're facing, Ryan, is that a lot of leaders, and this is why it's really, really tough, the leadership have got there because of how they have operated, led their businesses, is the results that they've got and they've been rewarded for that and that's awesome but as Marshall Goldsmith said what got us there here won't get us there and so actually we're going to need incredible amount of courage amongst our leadership the leadership themselves have to start really owning their own spotlight because if they're trying to hide something so the only reason that they can't create that safe space or they jump to conclusions is because they're hiding something of themselves. What we've got to remember is that everything starts with the work. Everything starts with the work. And as soon as it becomes about us or ego or power or a need to be liked, then the work gets forgotten and it becomes personal. 
And we all do it because we all have unconscious bias. We all have the, the jiggly stuff that we're trying to hide because human nature is to keep ourselves safe. But my argument is that we've actually got to be prepared to step into exactly who we are, which is really tough. It's hard because it's been beaten out of us. But when people do it, this incredible magic happens. You know, you unlock potential in your teams. You unlock ideas. That safe environment that we're all talking about, collectively people feel safe because they're able to be themselves. Yeah. So it's the first law and it's probably the hardest one. Okay. So on our transition to finding our own spotlight, are we, are we still allowed to wear spanks on the way through just to hide the jiggly bits a little bit? Absolutely. Oh, okay. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I often say, uh, I often say, laugh because I go, why is it? Like my husband, my husband turned 50 this year, right? Okay. How, how is it that a 50 year old guy can look in the mirror and go, oh, I'm not looking bad for 50. 50 year old woman, which I am not far off, we look in the mirror and go, I need to do more exercise. I've got to always <laughs> I stop. Your yeah. life experience, the wrinkles. Yeah. I'll give you your 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 insight into this. Mm. They're not uh, they're not wrinkles, Janine, they're laugh lines. It means a it means a life well lived, right? Yeah. Um, that's my uh, that's my uh, recipe, and I'm sticking with it. Okay. Um, so discover your own spotlight, and uh, in brackets that I put beside that is make sure the spotlight you're seeking is one that's true to you, not something that someone else thinks it should be. Cool. What's what's law number two? All right. So here's the thing: we can own our spotlight. We can have our goals and our dreams. We can have a vision of who we want to be. And it's a bit like we were talking at the start of this conversation, Ryan. Unless we are functioning at our best. We will end up faking it till we make it or mm -hmm. absolutely uh, fall apart. The scary thing right now that, um, with what we're going through, um, I read recently that um, the cost of workplace mental health claims in Australia is on average quarter of a million dollars. 50% of that is due to work pressure and stress. So we're not looking after ourselves. So the second law is all about harnessing your energy. It's all about getting back in control so that you're not a walking robot of yourself, but actually you are a human of extraordinary potential who has the power in you to drive change, to inspire others, to, to create momentum. And I'm a massive believer in until we can get ourselves in control, um, until we can look after our energy to function at our best, which is about your stamina, which is about your mindset, which is about the, the habits and behaviors you put in place. Until you can look after this incredible brain and mind of yours, you're not gonna be able to be your most brilliant self. You will be in survival mode and essentially time poor mode. And I see so much of this in the work that I do in small business, um, individual executives and in, in organizations where there's a lot of people running around like crazy. But as I said to many CEOs recently, they're dying from the inside. Your organization is dying from the inside. So this is where that ownership piece comes in of going, stop blaming everyone else for your lack of time. Stop blaming everyone else for uh, the fact you can't look after yourself. Um, you're not managing yourself, your health and well-being. And put back in place the boundaries that ultimately will ensure that you are bringing the best of yourself to every single interaction. It's about operating uh, from a place of, uh, of thriving, um, 
but also being time rich. Because in this world that we're in, the only competitive advantage that really exists is what we think. The only, the only difference between you and I is, like you said at the beginning, your, your view on health and well-being and my view on health and well-being, your view on influence and my view on influence. The only real difference is what we think. And, and that's our competitive advantage. But if we don't have time to think, if we don't have time to uh, get perspective because we're running around like blue-ass flies, if we don't have time because actually the plates that we're spinning are getting closer and closer to the ground, and if we're only waiting until one crashes and then we have to spend months rebuilding, it doesn't matter how much you own your spotlight. It doesn't matter what your job title is. It doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank. You're not going to be able to create the impact. And I love that frame around looking after your, your energy because I think it's a way better frame than um, how do I get skinnier? How do I get more toned? How do I, you know, whatever those other kind of fitness goals that always seem to be at the top of the top of the list, just how can I be in a, in a place that brings great energy for every interaction I have in life, whether that be personal or, or business, it's a way better, better frame. And I think understanding as an individual what it is that brings you energy. So there's always going to be our fundamentals, like let's have a good diet, let's do some exercise. But then I know as a, um, extrovert, I get my energy from being around others. So part of me going to uh, the CrossFit gym that I go to is, yes, it's the, the exercise aspect, but it's actually the community piece as well. So knowing how those things kind of feed in as well, super important. Just wrap that up. It's what works well for you. So my, um, don't just take what I do and put that into your world. You've got to take ownership of working out where you operate your best. Um, you know, about a month into COVID here in Australia, I, I was exhausted, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually, just absolutely knackered. And it was only when I took that moment to go, I've been giving so much to my clients. I've been trying to make sure the kids are all right because they were at home, uh, husband, blah, blah, blah. I'd totally forgotten about myself. And this is where it is a constant journey. And, and I went, I, I, I have let myself down. If I am going to get through this, and do the work that I need to do. I've actually got to up the ante. I've actually got to put the focus well and truly onto my energy leadership. And actually through this, I've had to focus even harder on the habits to make sure that I'm operating at my best and actually giving it more time than I would in a pre-COVID world because of the way that the world is changing. You've got all these inputs, you've got all this output via screen, you're not actually moving as much. So it's, it's that whole thing of understanding what is it, where is it you need to focus to get your brilliance notched up a level at any single time. And for me during COVID, it was this law too. I had to focus on my energy leadership, ensure that I kept going. Gold, completely agree. Okay, number three. Number three, um, so this is when we start turning the attention outwards. So law one and two are all about yourself. Um, but as we know, um, you know, you can't be successful alone. It doesn't matter how much you're in your bubble and how Buddha-like you are until you actually connect with other people and start taking that message out there. You don't have that impact. So law number three is when we start turning the attention out. And this is knowing that... Uh, togetherness is the only thing that will ever drive change. This is about teaching people how to surround themselves with the right people, with the right skills that will unlock their potential um, and that will help them achieve what it is that they want to do. You know, I see too many people have a lot of people in their world 
Um, they might be connected online to thousands. But I go, who do you really know? And I challenge readers and, and when I speak on this, I go, okay, if you think about what you're trying to achieve in the next 12 months, personally and professionally, who's going to help you? Who do you know that's really going to help you? And I introduced this concept of 12 key people that essentially revolve around four groups. So the promoters uh, that you need in your world to, who see possibility where you see impossibility. It's about the pit crew who understand that you're trying to run a marathon, not a sprint, and they don't really give a damn about what you're achieving. They care about you. Who's that? Who are the teachers that are stretching your thinking, stretching your capacity, and who are the butt kickers in your world? And I suggest that this can't be husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, mums or dads, cats or dogs. It's the people professionally. And I reckon every time I talk about this stuff, Ryan, 95% of the people that I work with don't have this inner circle of a marketing machine, a board of advisors, intelligence bank, that are absolutely supporting them and getting that momentum towards their goals. So connecting with intent is all about the network of people around you. It's all about engaging in the right way, which is, again, harder than we think because we've got to get out of our own way. And it's about to, how to collaborate in a way that truly unlocks innovation that isn't just a let's all work together and share our resources. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, sure. about unlocking yeah. the ideas. Okay. So who's your butt kicker? Uh, it's a girl called Kelly Slezer. Um, she has an incredible app called Shop You and she uh, is absolutely challenging the world of, of retail and online. Um, I pretty much talk to her every day in terms of what the goals are that I'm working on. And uh, every Friday we check in and she's yeah. literally, and I do the same for her. And it's about keeping that momentum going, making sure we don't get lost in the mess of every day. In the weeds. And that's the word, yeah. focusing on what it is that we need to do next. Great. Good example. Okay. And number three and the four laws of brilliance. Uh, number four, I should say, and the four okay. laws of brilliance. So number four comes back to actually what I think most leadership training starts with, <laughs> which is about how do you raise your profile? How, how, are you, how are you being influential? How are you ultimately meeting people where they're at to move forward collectively towards that bigger goal? Magnifying your influence is not only about you sharing and how do you share, how do you get heard more, but most importantly, how do you accelerate those people around you? How do you lift the people up around you? Like your example earlier, you know, the team, that are try their leader that's trying to get his team uh, to, to excel at something. And then this, this constant growth and acceleration. Ultimately, law number four is about creating the impact you want to make in terms of the work that you're doing, uh, the people that you're working with, and the impact that you are leaving in your work, in your business, in your industry, in your community. Brilliant, Janine. So um, quick recap on those four laws of brilliance. So discover and own your spotlight. Yep. Harness your natural energy. Yep. Connect and collaborate with intent. And enhance and magnify your influence. Oh, gold star for you! Yes, <laughs> um, and and of course, uh, you know we've only been able to touch on a very small aspect of each of these. Um, if people want to dive in, grab the book, be be brilliant. Where can they find be brilliant? It's everywhere. So get online, uh, Booktopia, Amazon, bookstores if they're open, 
And if you uh, buy it and email me your receipt, I'll send you a free practice journal, 82-page journal that can go with it so you can work through the book awesome. and really put in place some of those practices. Cool. And we'll, uh, in the show notes, we'll put a, uh, put a link to that so that people can, um, one, find the book, but also um, that's a great offer. Thanks, thanks Janine, for doing that. You've worked with so many different clients and organizations. Who's someone that just kind of stands out for you, who has really been on a journey of maybe discovery where they didn't know their spotlight, um, they didn't have their energy sorted, they weren't collaborating very well, and they, and they had very little idea how to magnify their influence. Who, who's someone that stands out for you? Do you know what? There's so many. I, a bit like you, I've been lucky enough to interview so many people for my own podcast, and there is always gems of magic in everybody. Um, but the first person that springs to mind as, as you're asking that is someone I'm working with right now. She is ex-Navy. Um, she, um, 12 months ago, was doing a contract for the Australian Defence Force, um, working on some very big multi-billion dollar projects. But she was feeling a little bit fed up. I was like, I've got more to do. This woman is a weapons engineer. Right. She's smart. And we got talking about essentially law one. Okay, tell me about your life story. Talk to me about your passions. Where's your expertise? And what we have been able to do in the last six months is turn her from a contractor into a business owner. She now runs a business called Adroita. And essentially her role, her passion now is connecting uh, small to medium sized businesses in with defense. Um, so allowing creating mm -hmm. this funnel of huge revenue opportunity for small to medium sized manufacturing businesses around the world mm -hmm. to win these contracts. Um, and she, in three months, she went literally from zero to 300,000K. She's now heading for that million. Um, and it really is through her understanding, I work really hard on her, who are you? Um, how do we make sure you bring the best of yourself to your, to your business, uh, bringing the right people in, connecting with intent, and then getting that messaging out to market. And I've, I've witnessed firsthand um, just this incredible um, growth and confidence and real ownership of the impact that she's making. Her passion is absolutely sovereign capability here in Australia. She has got a big, big passion and and that's what being brilliant is all about it's it's finding that thing and then being able to confidently go to market with it in your own business or as your leadership or in your community um, and know that every step you're making is contributing to that so she inspires me she's a mother three kids weapons engineer and i look at her and i go oh my god can't wait to see where you're going to be in five years time Awesome. And, and just simply, you know, having in your bio, mum and weapons engineer, I know, I mean, it's, it's just gold. <laughs> I know. I literally make her introduce herself. I go, come on, Sarah, introduce yourself. Oh, okay, Janine. I'm Sarah and I'm a weapons engineer. Oh, yes. <laughs> totally. Oh, i got to own that. I mean, that's, that's not a uh, tag that many people get to put in. It's a, it's a great one. We love hindsight. Experience is a great thing. Uh, there's a, a quote that I love, which is experience is what you get right after you need it. Yes. I've got a couple of angles for this question. One would be, you know, what advice would you give your, you know, 20 year old self? Um, but maybe a better one is what advice are you giving your teenagers on a, on a regular basis? 
Oh my god, which one? Oh, I reckon uh, I always thought it was going to get easier, but my god, it gets harder the older they got. For me, the advice I am absolutely giving them is, you know, to put this into context, I've got a 16-year-old, almost 17-year-old son um, next month. He's heading into his HSC year. He came home from his year 11 exams really angry with himself. Uh, I don't know what I want to be. I'm not good at anything. I look at my exam results. And this is after, you know, a few weeks of trying to study hard. And the advice I give all of my kids is you're all, you're all great at something. You've just got to find it. And it can take a while and, and believe in yourself um, and trying to fuel that self-belief because the academics are the academics. And as you and I both know, we come across the smartest people in the world. But if they're constantly beating themselves up um, and constantly doubting themselves, they cannot ever be the best version and create that impact that they want. So as a parent, it's all about trying to fuel that self-belief. And I wish someone, someone, my own mentor, actually, you know, I had this light bulb moment. They turned to me and they said, Janine, you've become the person that you wish you'd had as a teenager. Um, mm -hmm. In the... Mm -hmm. I wish I'd had people around me who would fuel my self-belief, who would encourage me to become more, who would plant possibility. Um, but I was constantly, as I said at the beginning, striving, proving, striving, proving, looking for the answer, looking for the answer. And so I would act to go to your original question, 21-year-old self, get a group of people around you, surround yourself with people that see more in you than you will ever see in yourself. Because it is the people that you're around with, or the eagles that are surrounding you will make you fly high. And I think when you when you say that, the inner voice for many people is, oh, but who would want to spend time with me? And I think people would be amazed if they were willing to put themselves out there and ask for help. People, by and large, are so willing to give time, to give insight. Uh, it's just phenomenal. People really are prepared to do that. And when you ask for help, one bit of advice is get really clear of what you're asking for. So when I train on the networking piece, I say, what's the one key question? Do your research, be intentional about it. If you only had five minutes, what is the one question that you would ask that person whose help you want? Don't just go, can I catch up with you for coffee? Can I pick your brains? Do you have five yeah. minutes? Be yeah. really clear about the help that you want because that is respect. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is showing an intentionality and I can promise you that if you do that you will always get a response spot on okay if you could be anyone in the world for a day <laughs> you know alive alive or um, deceased who would you be <sighs> this is gonna sound really naff because I thought this is one of those questions you you gave me and I've spent a long time thinking about it and you know what? I don't think I would be anyone but me. And I know that sounds a bit naff, but Not at all. There go. there's no reason I'm me. And as much as there's days where I beat myself up too, where I look at people and go, I wish. I go, this, this, is, my, this is my journey. And only when you look back is, does that gratitude kick in. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to be living where I am, uh, to have my health, my family, um, sure, there's stuff I'd like to change, but isn't that what life's all about? So, no, I think it's more about being me and being a better me every day. Mm -hmm. Do you know who I'd love? Okay, here's who I'd love to be just for a day. I'd like to be pink. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Like rock star lifestyle, swinging on that trapeze, jumping out of the limo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be fun for a day. Yeah, that, that would be fun. <laughs> I, had, I had a bit of a moment, uh, I think it was yesterday, when they, I think it was Pink's birthday yesterday or the, the day before, right. and they said, oh, you know, Pink, it's her birthday, and she's turning, I think it was 43. Right. I was like, oh, really? Is she that much younger than me? Damn. But yeah, she's an icon. She is awesome. I, I think I can ask this question. Let's use this one as a bit of a closeout. Um, business superpower. I feel like you've got one and you get to use it every single day. How would you frame what it is you get to do with your with your clients? I connect dots for them. So my superpower is I have this crazy ability to connect the dots that they can't see to unlock their potential. I did it in my corporate work. I do it in my private work. And that's this ability to see in other people what they can't see in themselves. And I get, like, I get goosebumps when I unlocks and people start growing and thriving. It's like, yes, my job is done. My job is done. Uh, that's my superpower. Love it. Love it. Hey, Janine, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. I think some of your insights have been absolutely brilliant. Would like to acknowledge you for the work you're doing out there, uh, helping so many people be be brilliant. You know, uh, as yes, it's the title of the book, but I think it's truly actually what you're living uh, in yourself and those that you help uh, around you. So uh, thank you for helping make our world a better place. Thanks for helping us grow better people and better better leaders that can really can create that ripple effect. And uh, I have 100% confidence that you will affect those 10 million lives over the next uh, 10 years. So go you. And look, we will put all your uh, connection details, social media links, et cetera, in the, in the show notes. So if people want to connect in with you, if they'd like a, what are you, are you doing virtual keynotes these days? Yeah, I'm doing virtual keynotes, virtual webinars. Yeah. Yep. If anyone would like to know more and certainly encourage people to jump in, grab Be Brilliant and uh, come back to you and get that, get that journal to go along with the book as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been an absolute pleasure and for everything that you're doing too because uh, in your own way, you're creating your ripple and your change and unlocking possibility in the people that are listening to this podcast. So thanks for all you're doing. Thanks, Janine. It's been fun. Bye. Bye.